This week's Pharmacy Magazine Talking Pharmacy podcast is brought to you by Aronix, Sildenafil 50mg from Dr. Reddy's. Hello everyone and welcome to the Talking Pharmacy podcast. I'm Rob Darricott, editor of P3 Pharmacy Magazine and with me on the pod this week are Neil Trainis, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist and author Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News. Richard Thomas is away, tramping the highways and byways and possibly even testing his eyesight in the northeast. Well, it's a return to normal for the format of the pod this week, although I hope you've had time to listen to Richard's interview with Thorin Govin, the newly elected chair of the RPS's English Pharmacy Board. Richard spoke to Thorin before her election earlier this week, but it's a cracking listen nonetheless, and probably all the better for getting to know a bit more about Thorin for taking place when it did. And incidentally, I'm told there's no truth in the rumour that Richard is now offering slots for upcoming chats to the highest bidders among those looking for higher office. Now we've got a lot to cover this week, so let's dive right in and see what we've made made it to the top of the pile in this week's Good Week, Bad Week slot. Let's start with the not-so-good, Neil. So who's had a bad week for you? Yeah, afternoon, Rob. Um, I've gone for my old friend, Matt Hancock, again, uh, believe it or not. Um, this is uh, this was a webinar that was held by Sigma Pharmaceuticals last night, which we all, we all listened eagerly to. Um, and Matt Hancock, uh, quite a coup for Sigma. They, he was on there uh, talking about uh, the future direction of pharmacy when this health and care bill um, is put into, into law, comes into legislation. Um, now, I've gone for Matt Hancock, uh, unsurprisingly, because he, he said he said quite a lot last night without actually saying very much at all. Um, he was asked two pertinent questions um, and failed miserably to answer either of them, really. The first one he was asked um, was, uh, by Steve Bryan, who was chairing the event, um, good friend of Sigma, and he said to, he asked Matt Hancock whether he could give an update um, on talks over when the reimbursement of pharmacies' COVID costs uh, uh, gives some detail about that. You know, let's have an update. Uh, after after all, we know how important this issue has been to pharmacies over the last uh, a few months. I mean, fifteen months. You could, you could stretch right back to the beginning of the pandemic. Um, you know, it, it just dreads it's a real dread to think you know without pharmacies during this pandemic what kind of where the most vulnerable people in our society would be we all know that providing them with medicines and, and advice um and doing doing so at, at, at a cost to, to those pharmacies um so you know a good question from steve Bryan. we want to know an answer to this but um matt hancock uh well i'll tell you what matt hancock said matt hancock basically didn't give a, an answer what he said a proper answer what he said was I thought this might come up, and I know that the costs were paid for, but there hasn't been that reimbursement. It's something I'm working on, but I apologise. I'm not able to say any more on this. Now, I know there's a view, I think we've all discussed this a bit, um, uh, just actually before we came on the pod, whether you know, Matt, Matt Hancock's not really able, it's no surprise uh, uh, that he's not able to say anything on this. But I, I, I take a different view personally. I think that, you know, come on, we, where's, 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 the pharmacists deserve an update on this. You know, it, it's, it's something that it, it's absolutely paramount to first of all get an answer on and secondly if there is a, if there are reimbursement if there is reimbursement coming back when is this going to happen so i think you could have said a bit more out of respect if anything else for those, for those pharmacists who have slaved away during this pandemic and put their lives on the line um so that was the first question that hancock failed to answer and then he was asked about the community pharmacist consultation service um now uh, we're all aware of the issues around cpcs uh gps 
haven't engaged with it terribly well in, in certain areas to the extent they might have done. Uh, and those that have, have, have reportedly referred patients, have not referred patients uh, digitally or, or through the proper system. And that has meant that pharmacies haven't received any payment for, for the consultations. But, have, but of course, it's, you know, it's not for a pharmacy to, to turn away a patient. Of course, that's not in the nature of any pharmacy. So um, rightly so, he was, uh, Matt Hancock was asked about this, this issue. Um, and what Matt Hancock said was, um, I do not have an assessment of how serious the situation is. I'd like to hear on that and also proposed solutions. How do we solve this? So it, was, it struck me as, as though Matt Hancock had kind of, you know, either not bothered to find out the situation because it's not as if the CPCS is, you know, was introduced yesterday or last week. This, you know, this, is, this has been, um, uh, you know, a, a service that's been going for, for, for you know, quite a while. And, and you'd expect the health secretary to have some answers to this and, 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 actually, and actually make an effort to understand that this is happening and that pharmacies are not getting what they're getting out of the, uh, the service in terms of, in terms of the remuneration. Um, so I thought it was a rather, uh, frankly, pathetic answer from from Hancock, uh, he came across as pretty clueless. Uh, maybe some might say hopeless, um, but um, it, it it was it was pretty pathetic. And just as a as a an adage to this, um, right at the end of the event, actually, uh, Hancock was asked by Barat Shah at Sigma. Um, well, actually, Mr. Shah told Matt Hancock that uh, pharmacies are totally confused with the remuneration. Um, system from the NHS. This is what Mr. Shah said, a remuneration is the best incentive to make the integrated care system and the health bill successful. But the process is very complicated to understand. And many times based, it's based across the profession. Uh, in my opinion, multiple, the multiple pharmacy sector is fine with it, but the independent sector struggles with it. Is there a solution from the Department of Health? And Mr. Hancock replied, nearly, that's absolutely something we can work on. And I would urge you to do that. I can't propose an answer right now, but it clearly needs to work. So another non-answer from Mr. Hancock, uh, once again, uh, NHS remuneration. That's not something <laughs> new, is it, to, 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 to pharmacies right across, right across the, the sector? So you'd think Mr. Hancock um, might have had more to say on that, but clearly not. So it's not for the first uh, time, um, <laughs> certainly over the last uh, 18 months, it's been a, Mr. Hancock has flattered to deceive, in fact, worse than that. So my my unanimous uh, emphatic vote goes to Mr. Hancock for bad week. Thanks, Neil. That that covers a heck of a lot of last night's uh, uh, event. Um, if I was going to have my two pairs, I'd say that I was a little disappointed. We didn't really hear more about Mr. Hancock's plans for legislation either, uh, particularly around the new integrated care structures. Um, so, I mean, I take your point about the um, the CPCS and that is important, although I would have thought that maybe he might have been given a direct answer about what he might do to improve that situation. Um, you know, you can't just leave these kind of, well, what would you do in the air? So it's a bit disappointing and maybe maybe there's a follow up there that lots of lots of organisations could could put in. Um, on the integrated care stuff, I'm, I'm still not convinced that community pharmacy organisations, community pharmacy generally has got its head round the potential for this particular sweeping change, which uh, has been coming at least since the five year forward view in NHS terms. Um, as I think all of us have written over recent months, uh, community pharmacy risks being gated out of these developments uh, without proper focus and um, investment into those individuals best place to influence. Uh, 
I mean, on, on the upside, fortunately for many in community pharmacy, um, smart LPC leaders are on the case and many have invested in key local relationships and have reached the kind of position of trust that you can't develop overnight. Uh, but if you haven't got that, and I'm concerned that many don't, I uh, don't hear much coming out of the representation review that sees the development of those kind of relationships important enough to be a key principle for any organisational redesign. And there's quite a lot of catching up to do and you can't build trust in relationships overnight. Uh, so interesting for me. Neil, what do you think about Did you, that one come up to you, come on your radar too? No, it certainly did. And, and, and you're absolutely right, Rob. Um, and it's, it is harsh, uh, kind of momentarily defending Hancock here, but you know he didn't have any idea when he was asked um, about integrated uh, care systems and and how pharmacy fits in with that, and and more to the point, how pharmacy will be able to uh, get their services. Pharmacies will be able to get their services commissioned locally across the country in, in, in the coming months and years when this is all put into put into place. The RD defence for him is that it's not really his responsibility to to necessarily know that, as you've just rightly outlined, the responsibility for that lies with pharmacy itself and and, and the LPCs um, in particular. Once uh, And it, just a point, uh, which I think we all know anyway, but it's almost a reminder that, you know, it just gives, goes to, it deepens the kind of importance of the right review um, as, these, as this bill sort of um, moves towards some kind of legislation. It's even more important now that the right review uh, actually comes up with some solid... Uh, proposals to vote on but ideally before the end of this year because I think the longer they leave it as you say Rob the more chance there is of a pharmacy eventually being gated out of this whole whole arrangement really. Yeah those um, those integrated care systems are in sort of shadow operation now and will be live from April 2022 according to the current legislative schedule um i think all three of us were tuned in last night so arthur what what did you make of it all yeah well neil alluded to there that we'd had a conversation just before the pod um where i said that it was it didn't really come as that much of a surprise to me that matt hancock didn't make an announcement about funding or covid costs last night but that isn't to say that i didn't find him you know flimsy or disappointing on the topic uh, I would say the big takeaway for me from the the Sigma webinar was what he said about vaccinations. In particular, he talked about he seemed seemed to talk about taking a lot of vaccination work away from GPs and entrusting it more to pharmacies on both COVID and flu, um, which is I, I I find very interesting given that you see every year every winter this sort of turf war between GPs and pharmacies and quite sort of. Uh, dirty tactics um, from from unfortunately GP surgeries in particular. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they plan to to roll that out. I guess they'll have to try and reimburse GPs for for for, for the work they lose if 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 that does become a concrete plan. Yeah, that's a really good point. And thanks, Arthur, for reminding us that there were some positive things that came out of last night. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, my, I think the concern should be, A, that if that's going to be the case, then let's hope there's some discussions going on somewhere about how that might be affected. But I'm also very conscious that we're now almost in July and with flu vaccination season sort of starting in September, uh, possibly towards the back end of September, but that's less than three months away, and if pharmacies really are going to be front and centre of this work, uh, both flu and the COVID booster, then those kind of conversations need to be happening now. Pharmacy needs to gear up. It can't be something that's dropped on them 
yet again at the very, very last minute. Um, so, yeah, very good point. Thanks, Arthur, for raising that. And while you're talking then, who's been finding it tough for you this week? Oh, well, my bad week, without a doubt, goes to the right-wing news blog, I guess you would call it, Guido Fawkes, who last Friday ran a story on um, Labour MP Taiwo Oatemi. She's the MP for Coventry Northwest. She's a pharmacist, a working pharmacist, which it becomes in- interesting, as, as, as I'll explain. She's a working pharmacist, and she sits on the APPG for pharmacy. Now, Guido ran a story with the headline... Um, Oh, let me get it in front of me. Oh, they they said she had active admitted to actively selling drugs. Labour MP admits to selling drugs, and they ran it with this imagery based on uh, baking, uh, Breaking Bad, which pr- probably a lot of our our listeners will know is is a very popular Netflix program where the main character sells crystal meth. So um, yeah, it was it was I in their ter- in their words, it was a ton in cheek sort of way to uh, way to refer to what quote from them the unusual situation of a serving mp working as a part-time pharmacist but a lot of people found it very um insulting um there were accusations of sort of dog whistle racism um to me just a completely daft unnecessary silly decision um from i mean i know they they go for these sort of provocative stories and headlines but i think even uh, like the comments that i saw on twitter and there was a huge response on twitter uh i think there was like in the region of 400 500 quote quote tweets all of them negative or the vast majority negative and i but i saw in the comments beneath the article even people who seem to be sort of fans of guido saying they'd got they'd gone too far this time um i asked them you know you know to did to, to they recognize the accusations of 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 dog whistle racism or just whether it was an appropriate story to run and um their quote was uh, "Wingers on Twitter should get a life." Um, as I say, it was a humorous, refer- humorous reference to the unusual situation of a serving MP working as a part-time pharmacist. Anyone with an IQ above a cabbage would understand that. So, no, no backing down from them. But there was a lot of support for um, for Taiwo Otemi from um, GPHC, from the PDA, and the the RPS. Also from uh, Conservative MP Jackie Doyle Price, who chairs the pharmacy APPG. She said um, uh, that that Miss Owatemi deserves the same respect as the as any MP who serves as a doctor and nurse during the pandemic. She saluted uh, Owatemi as a great ambassador for pharmacy. So um, hopefully that's the the kind of the upshot from from a very sort of nasty, unsavory piece is that it actually serves to um, highlight the work that 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 Taiwo Owatemi has done. Yeah, thanks, Arthur. I think this kind of clickbait stuff is what that particular site's all about and if anything her I guess rather dignified silence is is the best answer I think it's sad that this pharmacist sells drugs trope which has got to be as old as the hills and um, you'd think they'd look for something a little bit more modern although I suppose the um, Breaking Bad reference would be that but anyway let's move quickly on uh, to my bad week um I'm going to go for the vaccines minister, Nadim Zahawi. Now, it's been a pretty good year for Mr. Zahawi. As, as he's been at the forefront of the one bit of the one bit of the government's COVID response that's been an unqualified success, with more than 80% of the population in each of the four UK nations having had at least one dose, and between 50 and 60% having had two. The UK stands fourth in the global chart behind the UAE, Israel and Bahrain, among countries with a population of more than 1 million in vaccination rates per 100 people. 
But now uh, Mr Zahawi finds himself fronting up the government's call to explore whether to make it compulsory for NHS workers to be immunised against COVID-19. Now, it seems the decision's already been made for mandatory vaccination for care home workers from October. It is, I should point out, subject to parliamentary approval and a subsequent 16-week grace period. But there are reports that the government is to launch a consultation on whether this should be extended to all 1.38 million people in England who are directly employed by the NHS. Uh, And interestingly, it's not known whether pharmacies are for once included in the NHS automatically for this one. Although I think we've asked the question, Arthur, I think you asked the question. The RPS has already come out against such a move, preferring strong encouragement, saying we do not agree with making COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory, as informed and educated choices about health interventions would be more beneficial long term than enforcing them. And I'm really with them. It just feels to me like an abdication of responsibility to not try to persuade people to do what the vast majority of health professionals feel to be the right thing. And the coercion element may just play into the narrative of some who think that this whole thing is a plot to control people's lives. It's a quick fix. I'm not sure it'll work anyway. I would love to have been a fly on the wall when Mr Zahari was told he might have to go and defend this since he's been having such a good few months. And if anything else, let's make the staffing crisis in social care worse, shall we? So, uh, bad week, I think, for Mr Zahawi. Okay, let's go now to good week. Let's start with you this time, Arthur. Who's had a good week for you? Uh, My good week goes to the High Court, in particular the judge, Mr Justice Johnson, who I think uh, delivered a very sensible judgment yesterday in asking the GPHC's Fitness Practice Committee to review a decision it, it made. So um, this goes back to, well, it goes back to 2017, really, because it goes back to last, last November um, when Nazim Ali, who was um, accused of making anti-Semitic comments uh, when he led a Palestinian rights rally, um, he came before the, the FTP committee last, uh, uh, last autumn, last October, November, and the uh, decision made by he made very very strong comments. I won't repeat them here, but but it's it's in our coverage. Um, the decision made by the FTP committee was that although his remarks were grossly offensive and brought disgrace in the profession, um, it couldn't be conclusively determined that uh, that a reasonable person would interpret them as being anti-Semitic, which surprised a lot of a lot of people given the the nature of the remarks he made. And um, this was appealed by the uh, it's a sort of a re- regulatory watchdog, the Professional Standards Authority, who um, uh, they, they had a number of grounds of appeal, um, namely that the FTP committee was wrong in the way it took account of, of Mr. Ali's character and the fact that he had no um, uh, no previous convictions or, or anything like that. Basically, um, they sort of they, they they felt that the FTP committee had applied the wrong test in deciding whether um, what he'd said could be construed as anti, anti-Semitic. And uh, the judge agreed with them and has uh, referred the, the decision back to the GPHC's FTP committee who, who say they will um, re- resume, resume it as, as soon as possible. And um, it, I, sh- I should stress that the GPHC council actually agreed, actually sided with, um, with the, the, the judge um, rather because the, the FTP committee sort of works independently. So the GPHC uh, chief, Duncan Ruggan, act, actually welcomed the decision yesterday and uh, said he looked forward to to um, the FTP com- committee re- reopening this. 
um i just thought thought it was a very sensible decision and um i mean it was a very it was very controversial last autumn when when the the gphc uh announced the 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 uh, that it wasn't going to impose sanctions on, on on mr ali so um i think a lot of people will will welcome this yeah thanks arthur neil i think you've had a little look at this one too yeah absolutely i totally agree with arthur i mean um it was a a, a much needed um high court ruling and, and i think a damning ruling by the High Court as far as the GPHC and its fit, fits to practice committee is concerned because, um, you know, I think what it shows quite clearly here is that the fits to practice committee were simply unable uh, to recognise and punish adequately alleged anti-Semitism. Um, and it raises a troublesome question, really. Um, if the fitness to practice committee cannot recognise and adequately punish uh, anti-Semitism or racism or discrimination where it occurs, um, how on earth can it form an intelligent view on unconscious bias, which, as we know, is, is much more difficult to detect. It's much more subtle. Um, and as we've seen over the over recent months, more than that, um, like any other profession, pharmacy is afflicted by unconscious bias as well. Um, so it's a very, I think it's a damning ruling by the High Court, um, and particularly uh, as Arthur just uh, touched on there, the Professional Standards Authority, um, they certainly it, they, it didn't it certainly didn't go unnoticed by them, and it's yet another uh, little uh, blotch on on the on the record book for the GPHC. Bearing in mind, um, you know, the government is keen to reduce the number of regulators. This doesn't help the GPHC's case whatsoever. So I think it was a damning ruling by the High Court. Um, I think I'm inclined to be slightly more generous and say that isn't this a demonstration that. that the checks and balances are in place. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, there, there are these levels at which um, the rulings get assessed. And I think, I don't think it's the, so much a case of the PSA noticing as the fact that it's part of the PSA's job to have a look at these things and to um, to, to, to speak of if it thinks something is amiss and, and therefore get the, um, get the courts to to have another look at it. So, I, I mean, I'm slightly inclined to be a little bit more charitable and say that on the one hand at the GPHC, um, it, in one respect, it shows that the FTB committee is acting independently, which I think is what uh, what regulatory structures are supposed to have, that there is no undue influence within the structure itself, but that there is also uh, organisations responsible for just checking across those things and having a look at them so you know i'm i'm, I'm inclined to be a little bit more uh, a little bit more reasonable than you neil just for a change <laughs> absolutely neil moving to you who who's had a good week for you oh, i've gone for community pharmacies scotland um and the uh, recruitments that are carrying out at the moment of pharmacies across the country to trial a uh, a hypertension app, which does sound very uh, exciting and, and much needed. I mean, it, the project starts in August um, and the Scottish government says it wants to recruit at least 50 pharmacies and a maximum of 250 pharmacies to take part. Um, and the government is working alongside uh, the Digital Health and Care Innovation Centre, um, which has supported the government's response to the pandemic, and a, and a technology company called Cohesion Medical, um, and it, you know, and it's it, the, the, the purpose of the project is to sort of um, you know develop this technology to help patients, uh, well, first of all, detect and then manage a condition that affects about a quarter of Scotland's population over the age of sixteen. And as we know, you know, high blood pressure, hypertension increases the risk of a stroke or heart attack if it's left untreated or undetected. Um, uh, the chief exec, uh, 
community pharmacist Scotland chief Harry McQuillan is certainly excited by it. He, he described it as a new and exciting development, and he's appealing to pharmacies to participate in this trial. Um, he reassured them that uh, if they do, they will remain anonymous. Um, there's no concerns at this stage about uh, GDPR um, because uh, during the trial, uh, patients' personal da- uh, data will not be it, it won't record identifiable information. Uh, in fact, the uh, CPS said that dummy patient details will be created so that blood pressure readings are not attached to unidentifiable persons. So it's it's at a very early stage. Um, I think they're just trying to see if this works and can be scaled across the pharmacy network in, in Scotland. But if it comes off, um, it will be an amazing um, piece of technology that, uh, I mean, it's on, we should have had it by now, really, but at, at least the wheels are in motion on it. And um, that's my good week, Community Pharmacy Scotland and those pharmacies. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Thanks for bringing that one up. I mean, that ticks a lot, a lot of boxes for me. Uh, prevention, the role of community pharmacy, digital, we've, we've spoken about that often enough, and, and a real innovation here in the digital space with pharmacy front and centre. And it's, it's, a, it's a sign of a couple of things. It's, again, moving things forward, moving the agenda forward using community pharmacy, and a, and a bit of a vote of confidence in the, in the sector there to take up the take up the challenge and, and get involved in something new in an area that we we know they can do some good work so thanks very much for raising that and I'm going to stick with the um, the uh, represented bodies for my good week which is um, community pharmacy Northern Ireland who published a report that they commissioned from KPMG last week uh, revealing that activity related to dispensing commission services has gone up by an estimated 49% since their last analysis in 2011-12 now i think a lot of the a lot of the outputs in the in the report might be said by some to be very similar to outputs uh, anywhere else um, an estimated public saving of 20 to 25 million each year from treating minor ailments in pharmacies 20 million from supervised drug consumption services and 10 million from medicine support, uh, providing savings for wider society of 25 million. And these kind of reports have been done in other parts of the UK. But I think it's really important when you're making the case for for pharmacy to do more or to do things differently, or when you're seeking investment in the sector that you have not only up to date, but also local data on which you're which you're basing your argument and I, I think it's it's only human nature not to want to rely on um to rely on findings from somewhere else to make the case for you it's really important to have your own stats to hand and i think that's exactly what cpni have done here and i hope that it um, you know it finds favor with the with the powers that be in northern ireland in, in thinking about the next steps for community pharmacy um, pharmacy there so well done to CPNI for for another report which uh, really shines a light yet again on the work the work that community pharmacy does often unremunerated in providing support to patients and the public well that just about wraps it up for this week so my thanks go to Arthur and to Neil and to you for listening. The entire back catalogue of these Talking Pharmacy podcasts is available for download on the Pharmacy Magazine website, and you can follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, as well as SoundCloud. 
Before we go, though, there's just time to mention the last in our short series of post-COVID planning webcasts run as a partnership between P3 Pharmacy and Newmark, which is scheduled for next Tuesday at 7pm, where our focus will be on Northern Ireland. You can register for that via the Pharmacy Magazine and P3 Pharmacy websites, and I am assured that there is nothing else important going on at that particular time next week. We will be back come what may next week, so until then, it's goodbye and thank you very much for listening.